There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Well, welcome, welcome, one and all. As you can probably tell right off the bat, this is not the voice of Chris Cooper. Chris has been kind enough to hand over the hosting responsibilities to me today. This is the voice of Stephen Morris, and I'm a friend and colleague of Chris's, and I'm part of his Business Elevation Collective, and I'm also a brand and culture building expert, the author of The Beautiful Business, and I'm an artist and a coach, which is really part of our topic around today's conversation. Today, there's two ghost, two guests on our on our show, uh, Owen O'Sullivan and John Schuster, and they have developed what they call the 360 within, applying the arts to your coaching practice. Now, in the world of coaching, there's no mistake that coaching is an essential path to human development and growth. But not all coaching is equal, and not all coaches are alike. The discipline of coaching is both complex to do effectively, but could also be a bit daunting for those people who are looking to find just the right coach. One field of human endeavor that's largely been overlooked in coaching is the arts and humanities. Ono Sullivan is an artist who works in the world of organizational development and leadership. And John Schuster is an author, executive coach, and trainer. Together, they have teamed up to provide a virtual sandbox for coaches to play and learn, an experience designed to foster, encourage, and share how the arts can be used to renew themselves and to enrich client coaching experiences. So a bit about Owen. Owen O'Sullivan is a singer, a composer, a speaker, and a leadership coach. He's had the honor to work with some of the great leaders in the world of the arts, such as director Steven, Steven Spielberg, actor Russell Crowe, violinist Nigel Kennedy, the Chieftains, and the poet-philosopher David White. He draws his experience in the performing arts on his background in philosophy, Greek and Roman civilizations, and peace studies, as well as the wisdom of Celtic culture, all to liberate creativity in individuals and organizations. John Schuster is an executive coach and trainer. He teaches coaching at two premier coaching programs, the Hudson Institute of Coaching and Columbia University. His focus includes work settings and communities that work for all. He has authored five books, two being The Power of Your Past, The Art of Recalling, Reclaiming, and Recasting, which was published in 2011, and Answering Your Call, The Guide to Living Your Deepest Purpose, which was published in 2003. Owen and John, welcome to the Business Elevation Show. Great. Hey, Steve. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having us, Steve. It is a pleasure, gentlemen, and I can't wait for this conversation. I know we're going to delve into some very rich and meaningful corners in the world of coaching and the arts. But before we dive in, 
Owen, I wonder if uh, you wouldn't mind uh, offering a tune, a song, or a poem uh, to kick off this show. Yeah, I'd be delighted. So uh, this is a poem from Ireland's great national poet, William Butler Yeats. And in this, this poem is a great elegy to the 360 within. The poem is called The Lake Isle of Inish Free the Lake Isle of Inishfree. But this isn't a real island. This is a place within, uh, a place that we go to within our side ourselves. It's this place that is uh, the beginning, the starting point of all great creativity, uh, this precious uh, place within us where we go for peace and rejuvenation. So it's a place that Yeats says at the end of the poem, uh, he hears it. It's uh, he hears it in the deep heart's core. He hears it in the deep heart's core. So this is a setting that I made of um, of this poem to music. I'll sing just two verses of it, and um, and hopefully it'll set set the tone for our chat today. And go now and go to Inish Free, and a small cabin build there of clay and wattles made. Nine bean rows will I have there, and a hive. For the honeybee And live alone In the bee-loud glade In the bee-loud glade In the bee night and day I hear lake water lapping in low sounds by the shores when I'm on the roadway or on the pavement's grey I hear it in the deep heart's core in the deep heart's core in the deep heart's core 
Ah, so, so beautiful, Owen. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love that tune. And, and just uh, for, again, context purposes, uh, that is a poem that you set uh, into uh, musical harmony. That's that right. right. That's right. That's William Butler Yeats, a poem from about 100 years ago. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been working with that melody now for the last few months. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous and mm. deep, deep with lyric there too. I love it. Mm-hmm. No doubt we'll spring off of some of the lyricism within that as we dive into our conversation here today. I want to start off kind of talking about something that, that I've noticed in the world of coaching. And it's, you know, many people in our world, and especially in the world of work, is that we tend to be a little bit overzealous about advice giving, you know, making sure that we're telling people what we think and what we what we think we should, they should be doing, things of that nature. And, you know, for example, in her book, uh, the famous book by the writer Anne Lamont uh, called Bird by Bird, which is really a book about um, how to approach the craft of writing, but it's really a book about how to approach the world of creative thinking. Anne Lamont writes, stop pushing your help on people because your advice is not nearly as good as you think it is. Now, that's obviously a metaphor. Of course, there's lots of other forms of inquiry and curiosity that can add to our vitality when in the world of coaching. So I'm curious, I'm going to offer this question, Owen, to you first. Um, what are your thoughts on, on this, what we might call this advice giving trap and what some alternative approaches might be to advice giving in coaching settings? I know it's so interesting. Coaching is a very mysterious thing I'm learning as I uh, partner with John, who's been there before. He, he's been involved in this world since before coaching was even called coaching. Mm. And I, fall, I fell into coaching almost by accident, really, coming from the world of the arts and just through being in conversation with people. Um, these conversations turned into coaching engagements. So the world of coaching to me is um, the, the formal world of coaching that has developed over the last sort of 20, 30 years is unknown to me, actually. So I don't know about this sort of advice giving trap. What I know about is conversation. And I come from the world of the arts and artists are always talking about their art. You know, it's very important to speak to another artist, to talk to them about their and their influences and their mentors and who they wish to emulate and what they're trying to do and the message they're trying to portray, what's influencing in the, them and the world around them and how they're processing that. And, um, and the art itself uh, becomes a way for the individual and society to redress an imbalance that it's feeling. Art has this uh, curative healing properties, you see. Um, and when we're feeling out of balance in our lives, art is there to soothe our, our sense of alienation and isolation. So um, I've always come at this work of coaching in the sense of conversation. I want to hear from, I, I work with leaders, so I want to hear um, the artistry that a leader is working with, how they're approaching their work, who their influences are, who they wish to emulate in their in their life. And I, 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 I listen to that. And I'm not an expert in these people's fields. So I can't really give, <laughs> I can't really give advice in insurance, you know, or in, uh, in um, higher level education or in, in whatever, but I can listen and I can ask questions. And it's through this power of listening 
um, being in a relationship where you can say things in a certain way that you can't say um, in the in other parts of your life, and to have this person, this conversational partner, who can understand the the depth and nuance um, of what you're going through in in a certain way, I think that's how I approach it. Yeah, so I really could never really give advice because it would be preposterous of me to do it, you know? So. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, bringing John's voice and wisdom and perspective into the fold here, you know, John, you have a massive amount of um, experience in the world of coaching. You know, I wonder what your perspectives might be in and around this, this advice giving trap perspective. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm just the opposite of Owen. I've been inside organizations developing expertise in leadership development, which is a humbling comment since leadership is so, so, so complex and, and can be informed from so many different angles. But I will say that uh, there is a ton of my personal experience and, and it re- the research on it is, is, is absolutely real that um, <clears throat> Coaches who want to start their coaching practices, which I have seen probably 2,500, 3,000 maybe now that I've coached over the years, the 20-some years I've been doing it. They're, the number one habit to break, Steve, again and again, is advice giving. Mm-hmm. Because they've spent their professional lives, we all spend our lives getting to know pools of knowledge and then thinking, oh, now this person has given me a problem quite related to what something I know a lot about. What do I know about? And away we go with our projections onto their situation. And so we break that habit. Uh, it, but that's why most coaching programs are nine months long because the emotional intelligence brain learns much more slowly than uh, just, just by having insight. And so it's a, it's a tough habit to break. Um, there is time for advice. I would never say there's not time for advice or at least for input if it's not advice. But but boy, is that, a, is that an important thing to not lead with or you're really not coaching. You might be adding value, uh, but it's not coaching. Mm. So what, uh, John, I wonder, John, what is the difference when, you know, so if you say if coaching is not about advice giving, how would you then position it? It's, it's, uh, it's development. It's learning. Um, it's imagination. It's a lot of things, uh, but it's not advice giving. And it's not even problem solving. People think it's problem solving. It's deeper than that. It's helping leaders live through the tensions of opposites because uh, uh, there's there's problems to solve and then there's tensions and polarities to, to lead within a, a field that's much more complex than a problem. So that's I'd call it development number one, Steve. Mm, very good. Very good. You know, it seems to me that there's, you know, kind of three primary areas and I know we're about to come up to a commercial break in a few minutes, but I want to sort of set the table with this question, which is the three areas that, um, you know, kind of either forms or, you know, shapes what coaching can be is first and foremost, coaching for performance. Uh, This is like leadership performance or team performance. Uh, Coaching for results. Here we're focused on outcomes. And then coaching for personal evolution, personal development, and in the world of wholeness, which is uh, part of the work that I do with business leaders. I wonder, John, if you might start, start us into that conversation, and, and I'm probably going to have to cut you off uh, in a commercial break, but go ahead and dive in, and, and we'll go see how it goes. I like, I like those three categories a lot, Steve, and uh, 
it's absolutely real that each coaching engagement will have its own emphasis on the outside results or on the wholeness. But but there are there are instances many many times when all three of those get wrapped up in the same coaching engagement, which is wonderful uh, because that makes it more complex. Um, and uh, so and there, you could you could add more categories like career coaching, transition coaching. There's there's uh, there's other. Th- Coaching just pops out into a million specialties. There's this great phrase that says, "Who you are is how you coach." <laughs> from a from a British woman, I wish I could attribute it to her right now. A British woman who knows supervision very well, but uh, the the coach is sensitive to all the green learning edges of the client, and then when there's too many of them to work on it any all, all at the same time, you work at the core ones and try to see where the where the advancement goes, where the development goes, but obviously you're you're trying to lean it into the places where they're feeling the most anxiety, the most the most hopes and aspirations for what they might be, um, and uh, and like like you pointed out, though, there can be three emphases, all uh, each getting its own place in the whole engagement. Sometimes the whole engagement, it's it's just a big uh, uh, hairball of all things at once, and away you go, and it's it's kind of exciting. Well, and it feels to me like the the role of the coach partially is to orbit the giant hairball that uh, organizations are caught up in. And, uh, you know, uh, after the commercial break here, which we're about to step into, we'll jump back into what your point was there, John, about the statement of who you are is how you coach. So let's go ahead and step into our commercial break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Well, again, this is the voice of Stephen Morris, and today I have uh, on the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show uh, guests, John Schuster and Owen O'Sullivan. And before the commercial break, we were talking about the idea that John presented, which is 
who you are is how you coach. And I wonder, Owen, if you want to pick up the ball and run with that particular idea, and maybe even if I could serve this up, let's start weaving in the artists within you and coaching. Yeah, great. Who, yeah, who you are is how you coach. And also, I've, well, I've found who I am is who I coach too. And that's been very important for me in my coaching journey is really identifying who I'm who I'm meant to work with, you know? So it's, so what I do is a very particular type of coaching and I work with a very particular type of person and the type of person I work with is a leader who knows um, that they're being called to step into a greater, more wholehearted, more expansive form of leadership. So I suppose you could say there's two types of leaders. There's one that wants to, and, and that is a genius at leading by the book. And that's extremely necessary in many contexts. But then there's another type of leader who is what's called sometimes a visionary leader. And this is this leader actually, and the type of person I work with is a visionary leader who also knows that there is an artistry that they bring to their work. Because an artist is someone who makes the invisible visible, who listens to the deep heart's core. They listen metaphorically to a voice within themselves. And this voice tells them to put things together in ways that have not been put together before and bring these invisible voices, bring them into the world of the visible, into the world of the audible. So that's the type of leader that I work with is someone who makes the invisible visible, who brings things to life that they know are possible. They're able to activate a certain type of potential. So that's the type of person I work with. And I'm an artist and I come from the world of creativity and the world of academia too, where we analyze the performance and art as well as do it and make it, you know? So um, the type of coaching I do is I um, listen very intently to where a leader is at, what they're going through and how they're feeling. And I use the metaphor of art to access ways of speaking about their work in ways that they haven't been able to speak about them before. So I'll listen very closely and ask questions about really specifically how works of art have appeared in that person's life, be it a poem, literature, um, theatre, music. And we can use these works of art to, and we can talk about them. And then in conversation about them, we drop down to a deeper way of talking about what's showing up in the person's life. Because all works of art are a metaphor. And that means that if you're listening to a piece of music that moves you, or if you read a poem that resonates with you, it resonates with you because it represents something in your Life. It is a metaphor for what you're experiencing. That's why it is important to you. So you can experience that work of art on that aesthetic and beautiful level. Or in conversation, we can ask, okay, what does that work of art, why is it striking that bell at this time? Let's just put our ear up to the wall and knock on the walls here and see why is it that this is resonating with you? And when you have these conversations, this extraordinary sort of energy <laughs> mm. comes out, it just pours out. And then as if by magic, 
the person goes off into their lives, into their organizational work, and they take that energy with them. They start to hold their body in a different way. They start to use different words and different language. And people, uh, they have different conversations. The world comes to meet the person in a different way. Uh, without very much effort at all. Things that were so strenuous and overwhelming uh, become slightly more intuitive and happen um, more naturally. It's this way. It's like watering a garden. You know, it's a very complex and mysterious thing, but it's an ancient thing. And it's something that societies have always recognized. So that's the type of work I do. Yeah. Ah, beautiful. And, you know, John, if I were to offer the same or similar question to you, here's the way I would offer it. If you could, and I should also say, uh, I understand that you're a musician, John, and I wonder how, or if you could give us a taste on your approach to fusing together or applying the arts within your coaching uh, and coaching practice. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Stephen. Well, I'm a, I'm a Johnny come lately compared to compared to Owen, who, 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 was, who was born with it. You know, he was born with our... I was artistically atrophied. I had artistic atrophication in my family. I didn't realize how much... Uh, by the way, I'm most, I'm, even with a German last name, I'm more Irish than I am German. And so, by the way, Owen was and his, and his sister and his... Excuse me, his mom and his brother were instrumental in me <clears throat> getting, getting more in touch with my Celtic and my artistic roots, by the way. So thank you, Owen, for that. But the uh, uh, when I came to it more, more, uh, more, more at midlife, I picked up a guitar. Really, when I was fifty, um, it was clear to me that I had lost a touch with the creative side of me, and I, because I had become too productive, too, too into efficiencies and all the things that that businesses were so about are so about. And I love that part of myself that can that can go go into the world and be be of help on that on that front. But my real gift was was more on what Owen was just talking about, was self awareness, was self self knowledge, and uh, it was the inner world, the invisible world, and the imagine imaginative realms that I I was always doing my best work at. So uh, the lost artist that I was, the 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 artist that I, I wish I had been or could have been earlier. Is a, is a very common story in, in, in for midlifer, which is everybody from you know twenty five and older. <laughs> um, we lose our artistic side, so many of us, because we think it's we're supposed to be doing uh, something productive with our lives. So my uh, a big part of my work, and, and when I saw Owen working, uh, was uh, oh that's what we're doing. We're uh, we're really helping that that trapped or that unexpressed artist. Find find expression in the world. Sometimes it's a, it stays at the hobby level. Somebody who played piano uh, goes back to the piano and says, "Oh, how did I let that part of me go?" But other times it's bringing uh, their creativity right into the workplace too, which is what Owen was talking about. So that's a little bit about me, Steve. Uh, very good, thank you, John. So I wondered if you could give us, uh, and I'm curious from both of you, if you give us a taste on. Uh, some of the experiential side. So let's just imagine for a moment that, uh, I don't know, I'll be in the hot seat. I am being coached by both of you. 
And uh, you're going to uh, work with me from the perspective of using the arts uh, and coaching together. Owen, oh, I know that, for instance, uh, you have actually not just used arts as metaphor, but arts as immersion. Uh, so I wonder if you wouldn't give me a taste, uh, and, and I'm interested again in both of your perspectives on this and experiential perspectives on how you actually work with the arts and coaching. So, yeah. Um, well, again, it, it, it all comes out of conversation. So I would like to, I would ask you about, uh, a, a great way to get to it is, um, when people come looking for coaching, very often uh, there is some uh, great threshold that is coming in their lives. And very often it's out of pain that we look for help. Uh, pain is what makes us fall down on our knees and say, I can't do this on my own anymore. I need some help to get through this, this point. So very often I'll say to the person, well, tell me about a time in your life where you were overcoming a painful threshold. Now tell me, was there any art in your life that got you through that time? So I'll go back, we'll have a little nostalgic trip and I'd ask you, Steve, about art that was important to you at a certain important times in your life. And what we would do is we dust off those old recordings or those old books or whatever or tv shows even and, <laughs> and we would return to them and say well what does it look like to you now or why was it important to you back then do you think it mirrored something that was happening in your life and now today what does it look like how has it changed and in conversation it can bring us to very interesting places you know and i even just overheard a little smile come break through and so and all and anyone listening here now can imagine these these works of art um these songs stories poems places experiences that brought us through um important places i remember working once what what I do with my clients is I insist that we spend two days together in person at the beginning of our coaching programs. And so I had this wonderful person from, from the Bay Area who's uh, an executive in, in the insurance business. And, uh, but he had studied the arts in college and had studied, uh, was a great fan of Emily Dickinson's poetry, but he'd also taken a pottery course hmm. to uh, kind of get over a certain amount of credits. And I remember that always, always struck a bell with me. His, he, he spoke so lovingly of that time in those pottery classes. So when he was over here with me in East Aurora, we, I, 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 I picked him up by the, by the collar and we dra I dragged him over across the campus to this um, to a pottery, I'd set up some a pottery session, and he hadn't touched a potter's wheel since college, you know. And he jumped right down, hunched over the potter's wheel, and went to work instantly. And that was two years ago, and we're still working together two years later. And he still brings up that experience as a moment where he knew that he was drawing a line in the sand of his life. And he was going to cross over into a new type of relationship with his own sense of artistry and creativity. And he since went on to become a chairperson of that organization he was CEO of. And the company has gone from uh, a billion to one and a half, $1.75 billion. He is just firing on all cylinders and attributes his, um, the, the power that he brings to the work to accessing his own uh, conversation around creativity, you know. So God. that's just one little example. Yeah. Yeah, that is absolutely gorgeous. I can imagine the 
the experiential remembrance of that, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the hands-on, the somatic experience of hands in clay, yeah. uh, really sticking with you for quite a long time. Um, so yeah. I wonder, John, uh, how do you then approach uh, either the, the arts or the experiential side of the arts in your coaching practice? Yeah, the, uh, <clears throat> the common pra- way it happens in, in, in my practice over the years has been uh, a, probably a vocabulary thing that I bring in. And by that I mean, Steve, uh, uh, the, the leader's always up against all these <clears throat> limits and barriers and, and, uh, and, and they have to, you know, reimagine what it is that, that they're about. And so I start using the word imagination and saying, what do you want to create here? And uh, uh, I try to de-emphasize some of the management language that, that people are steeped in and add more of the artist's language and more of creativity and imagination language so that in, instead of return on investment, we sometimes talk about return on imagination. Um, and <clears throat> and so that those then, of course, using the techniques that Owen was talking about, do they have a poetic side of them and did they have a an Emily Dixonson in there, or is, uh, were they were they were they a musician and who who did they admire? Sometimes they'll bring up. I, I had a client from India last week bring up a uh, Harrison Ford scene from a from Raiders of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. He he had taken a pop art example, and it was a hilarious example. But then I just uh, he sent me he sent me these two pictures that he had hand and he was a pretty good artist. I didn't realize that. And, and, and we got away from his kind of clinical, he was a very psychologically oriented guy too. And I asked him, well, let's go away from the psychological language. Let's use some other, and why don't you go into those images some more? And he sent me these two. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's freeing up the imagination to approach uh, the, the challenges that they have in front of them. Uh, but it's always working for their from their energy field. You know, where's, where are they resonant? Is it an Indiana Jones movie or is it a... Uh, Emily Dickinson, or could it be a, a great piece of rock and roll? I sometimes use Billy Joel. Uh, as he, he has a great line. He said in, in his one song, he says, uh, I must be searching for something, something sacred I lost. I must be searching for something taken out of my soul. And I'll, I'll get permission sometimes to say, can I, can I, that reminds me of songs. It's better if it's come from them, but sometimes I'll throw out my own, my own songs. And uh, that's so we make it a, a playful arena. For them to uh, to enjoy and then to to work from, John. Part of what I love about what you were just talking about is that you know there's a bunch of science behind how the the brain begins to think differently and be rewired when we're learning a new language. And what we begin to do is, um, you know, if, if anyone's learned a new, new language, you begin to dream in that language, which means then it it taps into the subconscious and the psyche of the individual, which rewires ourselves. And so, John, what you were just talking about is by utilizing the language of arts and artistry, it actually, it seems like it works on both a conscious and subconscious level and even beyond metaphor to help them begin to think, see, and feel differently and maybe even see their worldview differently. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you recontextualize uh, their their world with them. You know, you don't say here's here's how to recontextualize. You you help them see that within them, they already have these other uh, these other textures, these other images, this energy field that's there always. 
but which needs to be tapped with more creativity than their current their current thinking places has got them stuck in. Yeah. 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 I remember a story told by the Irish poet Michael Longley, uh, where he was asked by a local but- butcher in, I think, the small village that he lives in. The butcher asked him, What use is poetry? And his answer was, No use. But it doesn't mean to say that it's without value. It's without use, but it has value. So I wonder, you know, as we have only a couple of minutes here before our next commercial break, um, John, what are your thoughts on the value of using arts and coaching together? A tr- tr- tremendous value uh, it would be my quick, my quick answer. And um, the, the field of coaching has been so, uh, so well researched now scientifically, and it uses mindfulness and perform- peak performance uh, information. On it. And it's been curiously, outside of metaphor, not as well uh, understood from the from the point of uh, our artistry and poetry is of course one of them but some of the some really uh, outstanding leaders I know are so gifted with language already that they're almost uh, corporate poets without knowing it you know they, mm. they make up their own language and that becomes part of their culture so I, I think of it as uh, as one deep avenue into, and it's a it's a big highway into there into the deeper parts and the more creative parts of ourselves. So that's what I, I would say, Steve. Uh, very good. Uh, thank you, John. And so we're about to head into a commercial break here. And before um, or as we step into our next part of our conversation, I want to dive into a little bit more about you know, the sort of the the parallels between uh, practicing the artwork within coaching or utilizing that and how that tethers into different sets of languages. For instance, John, as you were just talking about, you know, the, these corporate leaders tend to have a set of language that works within the world of work, but then the world of artistry has a separate set of language. And uh, so as we head into commercial break, um, I want to leave us with that particular thought and potentially even open the world up to have different ideas around this unseen and imagined or otherwise imaginative world that Owen, you touched on early on. Great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Again, welcome uh, again. This is the voice of Stephen Morris. I'm stepping in uh, to be a host in replacement of Chris Cooper. Uh, and I have on our conversation here today, John Schuster and Owen O'Sullivan, and we're having a conversation around the use of arts and coaching in the world of business and leadership. So there's, on the one side of thing, there's the arts of practicing artists, uh, you know, be it a painter, a poet, musician, et cetera. But there's also the attribute of the art of living, so to speak. And one of the themes that I cover in my most recent book called The Beautiful Business is the role of the business leader and entrepreneur as a form of art. And Owen, you touched on this earlier. And when I'm thinking about coaching and I'll and, and when I do the coaching work that I do, which I only do a small portion of it, nothing compared to what you guys do, I use human artistry as a metaphor for the entrepreneurial or leadership journey and how that is potentially, uh, depending on the way one sees it, is both a, a path of expression and discovery and discovery of the self, discovery of our leadership style, and potentially even discovery of our leadership talents. You know, the studio is a practice, a place of practice, and much like the office is a place of practice. The difference between a studio uh, is it tends to be a private place of practice, but unfortunately, the world of the office is a very public place of practice. So I wonder, John, from your perspective, part of what we're saying here is the use of artistry and coaching and setting. How do we utilize that as, as, as a form of human artistry and how that infuses a sense of human artistry in the world of work. It's a it's a great uh, opportunity to, to say to talk about leadership as an art form. And there was a, a book I remember when Max Dupree wrote his book. I think it was in the '90s called "Leadership Is an Art." I remember when that came out, it was just devoured by the by, by the reading public. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands of copies of that book were were, were published and. Uh, the whole notion there is, of course, that there, here's here's my canvas. My canvas is this company. It's really well, beautifully addressed in your beautiful book, Stephen. And uh, and what can what's this what's this ab- about? Or a magnum opus? If if my career in leadership is a magnum opus, what's the opus here in this company or in this chapter in my uh, in this department in this chapter of my life right now? What's the work that has to be done? And it's, it can be tied to the notion of building capacity, which sounds maybe like an engineering term being thrown <laughs> the, being thrown into the artistic conversation. But leaders, uh, in my mind, are always uh, have that eye towards building capacity for the short and the long term. And uh, when it can be done um, uh, creatively through every interaction, uh, through every email, through every Zoom meeting. We used to have hallway meetings. Maybe those will come back someday <laughs> post-COVID. But uh, every interaction is that possibility to spark, to spark the imagination, to, to lighten the human spirit, uh, to, to make something better than it was before. That capacity-building imaginative act is truly a work of art. And while we can talk about artist, art, art, coaching as an art form linguistically and mentally and help people go back to the artist within, you can always stay right in the main 
the main metaphor is leadership is an art is a great place to stay like living is an art form as well mm, yeah very good owen do you have any uh, alternative or uh, additional perspectives to add to that I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to give the alternative perspective from the perspective of the of the artist. And there is a great misconception around the work of the artist. One imagines the artist in their ivory tower at work day and night, only creating this extraordinary, magical, beautiful, aesthetic experience. But the artist is lucky if they spend 20 percent of their time actually creating the art. And the 80% of the time is creating the environment and building the relationships, having all of the elements necessary in order for artistry to emerge. And that's why the analogy of artistry and leadership isn't as metaphorical as one would think. It's actually quite literal. But there's a misconception that the artist, uh, that the leader is only sometimes an artist and that the artist is never a, an organizational leader. But actually, the leader is doing visionary leadership, you know, if they're lucky 20% of the time, maybe less even, and the rest of their time is in the weeds of the organization of, you know, dealing with people and, uh, and, and, and all of the complexities around that and supplies and uh, distribution and transport. The artist, too, is constantly working with people. Mm. And constantly dealing with logistics all the time. Everything is colored by uh, what's available, when, and at what price, at what cost, and who's paying for it. And so the leader, or the artist, is also working on this extraordinarily pragmatic uh, entrepreneurial plane. And when the the leader in the organizational world meets the uh, the entrepreneurial artist then you can have a great conversation because they can see how the, uh, the tactical and strategic similarities um, resonate as much as the artistic and creative and magical uh, resonances too. So I think that's why my kind of coaching works is because I'm able, I, I come from that world of being an artist who has to um, create and package and deliver the art to the marketplace in a way that business leaders do as well too. And we're able to resonate and see what's similar between the two worlds. And that's very exciting for the artist as well as for the, the organizational leader too. Yeah, it's really a, a potent realm to consider. You know, it's, it's worth reminding that we primarily, especially in the world of work, live in a relational world. And those relationships can be utterly dynamic and they would include uh, an, on the high level, uh, the relationship to ourself and to our inner world and the rich, imaginative, unseen and dreamed experiences of that, but also the relationship to our outer world, uh, which could include uh, as a leader, our relationship to our work, our relationship to the people that we work with and our relationship to uh, the, the business as a whole and, the, and ultimately the collective. Uh, and that could mean all the people that the business touches internally and externally. And I wonder, so, you know, shifting gears here as we head towards the tail end of the hour, I would love to hear from both of you what, what the 360 Within is really all about. As I understand, it's a training program that you work with uh, coaches to uh, infuse some of what we've been talking about here today. Um, but John, I wonder from your perspective, how would you describe the 360 Within and what that program is all about? 
Sure, happy to, Steve. Well, Owen and I were having all kinds of conversations this time last year and, and uh, just letting um, letting ourselves be free in our thinking about what uh, you know what's going on in our lives and what's going on in our our perspective uh, fields. Uh, and we talked about coaching a lot, and then we we realized that as he, he as the artist who coaches and me as a coach who uses art, we probably had something between the two of us. Plus we have this inter- intergenerational difference. I'm in my 70s and he's in his 40s. So we say, oh, we have a different worldview too based upon these extra decades I have. So wouldn't this be an interesting piece to put out for people to say, to invite them into having the arts impact their coaching as much as science has or leadership development or psychology or and sure enough, uh, we're finding people who want to uh, 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 ex- uh, find other colleagues who are also exploring the arts as part of their coaching practice, but they've never done it uh, systematically, formally, with, with community, uh, with a, uh, a learning pod around them. We create a learning pod in our, in our, uh, uh, in our events, 90-minute uh, events that we put together. Uh, over over a series of six right now, and it's all the, the 360 within. Everybody knows what the 360 is without, which is you interview your stakeholders and you say what what what's what's the outside world seeing me as a leader. The 360 within is uh, what's going on in my own uh, my own internal landscape. Uh, that that uh, what's within me that hasn't been touched or that I can touch through more creative means. And so we're, we're addressing that in our approach, and I'll let Owen pick it up from there, talk more about it. Owen, yes, mm-hmm. please chime in. Yeah, it's just been an extraordinary journey. Uh, the, yeah, and I wanted to, to also reflect there, John's mention of this, um, the intergenerational dynamic that's occurring here too, because uh, it's so important for disciplines like coaching to pass on um, the institutional memory of things learned and mistakes made. Uh, so it's fascinating to see this young discipline uh, being formed and turning into something that has a lineage and has a generational um, journey. So there is a new generation, of course, emerging, and there's a new type of coaching. And coaching, the, the concept of coaching is ever-changing. So uh, what's fascinating with the collaboration between myself and John is the type of participant that has been attracted to this work. And that's been quite amazing for me. It's very seasoned coaches are coming to to us who know that they have been using art in their coaching, but they've been using it surreptitiously or um, in a sort of a superficial way, in a sense. And uh, they know that there is a deeper um, calling for the arts in their work right now. And many of them also know that society is calling for that deeper uh, invitation into from the organizational world that people are ready. Me and John were just speaking to a very seasoned coach who did the whole McKinsey thing and then has been independent as a coach, you know, at the highest levels of 
all of the Fortune 100 companies. And he was talking about how back in the 90s, he was the one of the first to introduce meditation and mindfulness. And of course, everyone thought they were crazy, you know, and they had to secretly meditate, you know, behind closed doors and things like this. And of course, today, mindfulness is second nature. I think your insurance company, debit card, will cover meditation <laughs> classes. I mean, it's become so... Um, it's become so uh, normal to talk about such things, but yet the arts still has a slight taboo about it, you know? Yeah. And so what we're doing is it, the arts are kind of associated at that aesthetic um, experience an optional extra. But people who do explore the world of the arts know that the arts isn't some sort of simple, superficial experience of aesthetic beauty, but it's about some deep transformational experience and expression of the nature of what it is to be human in the world, you know, and it's the answer to all of the big questions that only some of us are brave enough to ask. So those are the type of people that have been coming to the work and it's unfolding uh, before our very eyes. Yeah. I, I love that perspective and it feels to me that there is a, a deepening hunger or appetite for wholeness in our worlds and, and not just in our personal lives, of course, uh, but as we see, as we come out of the tail end, hopefully the tail end of the pandemic, uh, which we, it feels like we're, we're heading towards that, there's been a great shift that has happened towards reclamation or reclaiming of a sense of wholeness in how we approach not just our work, but our lives. And it feels to me like this 360 within is part and parcel uh, through uh, as an avenue to reclaim some of that wholeness. So we only have a few minutes left here and uh, I want to potentially, or actually I want to make the invitation to either you, John, or to Owen uh, to offer up a, another piece of art, uh, be it a poem or a song if you prefer. Uh, and then we'll wrap up the show after that. What do you think, John? Have you got anything in your bag of tricks there? Have you? Well, I'll, I'll do a I'll do a little start of a poem from called "The Layers" by Stanley Kunitz, who was a uh, hmm. poet laureate in, in the, the the American poet laureate twice in his sixties and in his nineties of all time. And he wrote a wonderful poem called "The Layers." I'll just do the first part of it, which is a lot of that uh, wholeness you were talking about, Steve. He says, uh, he starts off his poem, I have walked through many lives, some of them my own, which is a great line. <laughs> you know, how you, sometimes we feel at home in our chapter of our life. Other times we say, how did I get here? So I have walked through many, many lives, some of them my own. Uh, and I am not the person I was, though some principle of being abides from which I struggle not to stray. Uh, beautiful. So beautiful. A beautiful line of there's a principle within us that, that we, we, we have to stay mm -hmm. on that arc. So, so that's the Stanley Kunitz line that I'd leave you with. I love it. Thank you, John. So, gentlemen, uh, Owen, how can people find you in the world? How can they find us? Well, they can find uh, the work John and I do by just simply Googling the 360 within, the 360 within, and that'll take you to, to our little page. And from that, you can, you can uh, dive as deep down the rabbit hole as you wish. But that's the starting. That's the starting uh, gate there. Great. And John, how can people get up with you? Yeah, I'd say start with that same, that, that same place. Uh, 
the 360 within, and, and my website would be johnpschuster.com, and you'll see that prominently listed at my website, yeah. Very good. John, Owen, thank you so much for the spirited conversation here today. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing your work in the world blossom, flow, and go out and reach uh, hopefully thousands and thousands of coaches and uh, potentially even there from to millions of executives and business leaders across the world to reclaim their own sense of artistry in their life and in their work. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.